0: Well, Patty, let's say right off the bat, this podcast episode is brought to you by NMI.com, our sponsor. What a fantastic technology company built for ISOs specifically. Um, just a, a great sponsor. We've already really enjoyed having them on the podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah, a lot. Uh, and I've uh, really enjoyed this podcast this uh, today. I found it so enlightening, James. Uh, you know, text-to-pay is something that always seems sort of futuristic to me, right. and uh, you know, I think that our interview with Larry, is. I think people are going to come away with some really important insights on
0: that. Yeah, they're going to come away with a lot of practical insights. And then also just the fact that Visa, you know, he mentioned that Visa is in contact yeah. with him every week and, you know, investing right. in all these things. I mean, it's really quite amazing um, the impact that he's having. This is really everywhere has become kind of the standard pay by tech solution out in the industry. So really important interview today. And then tell us about the questions or I'm sorry, tell us about the insiders report.
1: The insider's report, uh, we're talking about, I just am throwing out a lot of data points that I think are really interesting that could help you in talking with merchants in terms of, you know, what's prevalent, what are some consumer uh, perceptions and attitudes and usage, as well as uh, what some of the networks are seeing.
0: Yeah, and then and in the then, questions from the field, I uh, I do something I don't do. I try not to do too often, which is admit <laughs> that I'm wrong. <laughs> so right. uh, talk about Apple Pay. And, you know, I was wrong about Apple Pay early on. Um, I finally had the experience of card not present with Apple Pay, and it was fantastic. And I'm seeing a lot of growth there, so I talk about uh, my thoughts on that. So all in all, I think it's a I think it's a good episode because it, it really all goes together pretty well. We didn't plan it exactly that way, but it all goes together really well. No, but it
1: sure did. And uh, just to defend you on your previous position, James, remember that was a couple of years ago when you told everybody that Apple. Payton That's would, true.
0: You know, Thank you know, for getting like, me off the hook there, Patty. <laughs> you know. so, but, yeah, uh, and
1: you know they've they've improved their they've improved what they offer now. Yes. Yes. Particularly absolutely. in
0: card not present. Yeah. yeah. I'm ready. Let's go.
2: Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast.
0: All right, so Patty and I are joined today by Larry Talley. Larry is the CEO and founder of Everywhere. How are you doing today, Larry?
3: Excellent, James. Uh, Great to be here, man. Thanks for having
0: me. Absolutely. Great to have you. Yeah, well, we're really excited about the conversation today. Uh, Patty and I were talking about, you know, topics we've not covered. One of them is text-to-pay. Uh, which really is kind of shocking because it's such a big topic. And I think it's one that a lot in our audience have maybe ignored or haven't paid attention to as much as they should. So we're going to dive into that. Before we do, though, Larry, I'd love to get your story. Tell us how you got into this crazy industry, how you ended up uh, founding everywhere.
3: Yeah, no, great question. Because I really wasn't, you know, really involved too much in payments. Most of my, you know, career actually um, got in the payment industry only about four years ago. And Prior to that, I spent about almost 20 years in the resort and hospitality space where I learned which was high risk and being in that yeah. space, you know not knowing too much about the payments out of the world and that spectrum, I realized that wow, if this is a high risk industry, you know what makes it so high risk? and really it was the lack of communication or the fact that you know you just can't call or get a hold of someone like you used to. And it obviously converts a lot of chargeback refunds, online bad reviews and all the issues that go along with the lack of communication. And man, if you can just send somebody a text message in 140 characters or less, pretty much solve the world's problems.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so let's do this, Larry. I, I would love to kind of zoom out for a minute because again, this is a topic that I think our audience has not paid as much attention to as they should. So can you talk to our audience of, you know, independent salespeople that are out there selling merchants on payment processing or ISOs that are selling point of sale systems, et cetera, why should they care about text to pay and maybe give us a little bit of an overview of what that even means and why they should care about it?
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. For a number of different reasons, you know, for one, it's a great leave behind. In other words, even if you swipe a credit card transaction, you send out a thank you receipt that allows them to text back, that gives you the ability to constantly have a communication touch point with your customer. Think of it like a, like a tether, right? You always have that tether with the consumer where you can text them and they can text you. So the best thing about it is once you establish that tether, right, that connection you know, with your customer, when they owe you money, you can just reach out to them, send them a text message, and it's not going to be weird, right? It's not going to be something that's okay. unexpected. You'll find actually it's actually natural. And what's great for ISOs, it's creates added value by having another payment method. A lot of times as an ISO, you're always focusing on net new, right? Going out there, getting new business. But what does it look like to go out to your back book, right? With something cool that they don't have already, right? And being able to offer your back book the ability now to offer text to pay, right? So it's another payment method that's really taken off. It's contactless, but better yet, I like to think of it as just being a convenient way to transact um, with your customers. So it's really great for ISOs, and then for the businesses, no different than I got my haircut this morning. I had to look good for your show, by the way, right? Maybe you don't see my video, <laughs> but uh, just in case, um, their terminal went down, right? And they had to literally write down my credit card um, number uh-huh. on a piece of paper, and I'll charge it when it comes back up. Uh-huh. Well, man, you know what? This is just a great, you know, scenario being a backup payment method, right? Being a backup to a piece of hardware that continuously fails, right? And so by having the ability, I mean, everyone walks around with a terminal in their pocket. So if they would have had, you know, text to pay, they would have just sent me a text link and been done.
1: Yep. Well, if you wouldn't mind, Larry, explain exactly what you mean by text to pay. I mean, are we sending people to a mobile or hosted payments page? You know, I'm assuming you're not collecting payment data uh, via text message, right? So, can you give us a little sense for how exactly it works?
3: Yeah, no, absolutely, Patty. Great question. So, the way it initially works, or the way that you get provision, you know, in uh, in the network, is basically you'll receive a text message with a secure payment link. Think of it as a direct tokenized link that gets you right to the checkout page, right? So, it skips all the logins, all the clutter. It gets you right to the checkout page with simply asking you for your credit card. But when it asks you for your credit card, what's unique about it, it gives you the ability to save it on, you know, save your profile. And by saving it means that the next time you don't have to click on the link, you can literally reply the words, yes, and it'll charge the credit card on file, really making it that much more easier for you to actually pay.
0: Mm. Now, that's actually really interesting. I hadn't thought about that angle. So what you're saying is just to kind of clarify, you're saying that, you know, I go to the same place to get my hair cut like you do. And uh, so I go to this place every few weeks and I could potentially save my card on file there. And then I could get a text that says, Hey, you're coming in today. Do you want to prepay or whatever? And I could just reply back. Yes. So it says, you know, do you want to prepay? I'm assuming it would say like using card ending in two, three, six, zero or something. Is that what you're saying?
3: Exactly. Right. It says, which like That's to prepay cool. James. So think of it also like in co-pays, right? A lot of times you get reminded in, Show up for your appointment, no different right. than like you said for the hair uh example. But now you can actually pay for your copay in advance. Wow. And what's really great about paying for your copay in advance and saving your card on file before you even get to that doctor's office is that 30 or 45 days later, when they go after you, you try to collect what insurance didn't cover, they see you a text message, right? And can you reply? you know, please, you know, reply yes using the card ending in 7212. You say yes and your doctor right. gets paid. So it's a very easy, convenient way now to transact.
0: I love it. I love it. Okay, so so let's talk about kind of different methods of payment here. Um, I lately, I've been actually really impressed with kind of the experience of paying on my phone. It's one of the reasons I was excited about this conversation. Um, You know, lately I've been ordering things from my phone that I would use to go on my laptop, but with like Apple Pay and, you know, scanning to take the picture of the card. And, you know, there's a lot of more convenient ways to get this data. It used to be like, I got to type out everything. So... Talk about kind of what that consumer experience is like. You've touched on it a second ago, but are there other payment options? Can they use Apple Pay, Google Wallet? Do they have like to scan the card. Talk to us a little bit about that technology and how that plays into what you're doing.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. So it comes down to this: you know, if you have a preferred payment method like Apple Pay or PayPal, even you know that you like to transact with, you know, with that secure payment link, it's taking you to a virtual checkout page, right, or that virtual terminal page where you can really use the payment method of your choice. And that might even be ACH, right? Might even go collect bank information this way. Um, But really it's just giving that user or that customer the ability to pay what they're accustomed to, right? So Apple Pay, Google Pay, it really doesn't matter. Um, We provide all those different payment methods as part of our pay-by-text solution. And I I call it pay-by-text versus text-to-pay because text-to-pay to to me is when you actually have to uh, think about Uh, texting in a keyword right to transact or to start the process where pay by text is just really giving you the ability to just really pay by text so um i like to kind of reverse it and think of it more as a, a pay by text solution yeah
1: cool so what about in terms of software companies and even gateways larry you know what what's their take on this you know are they using text to pay and uh or and or are you seeing you know more awareness of this particularly over you know we've all seen over the past year how people want to pay in a touchless manner right I mean and uh, so so you know I know there's been a lot of interest in contactless um, you know traditional contactless what are you seeing in terms of awareness of this uh, text to pay type you know these types of, of options.
3: Yeah, you know, so I will throw one at card brand out there that we got really excited, so much excited that, you know, this card brand um, uh, meets with us once a week, and they really meet with us every Monday morning. It's one of their first calls every Monday, and that's with Visa. Visa basically is adopted, and they understand that there's a lot of new payment methods that are coming onto the market right now. And then just like cash went away, plastic is going to go away as well. So they know that they got to be cardless and frictionless into the future. So they're looking at alternative payment methods like everywhere that offer a solution like we offer. And what's unique about our solution is that in our partnership with Visa, who recommends a number of their clients to us, is that the ability to store that device information, right, that cell phone, your profile, that card in a network vault. And that once you're in the network vault, you can actually use it across merchants and across acquirers, And it's pretty powerful if you think about it, because today I could give my wife my credit card and she can go use it. There's really nothing to stop her. You know, back in the day, they would ask you for a driver's license. But since the chip came out, companies feel like they don't have to ask for a license anymore. So by asking, by having that cell phone creates two-factor authentication, right? It's that second ability to help reduce fraud, help reduce risk associated with e-commerce transactions, car not present transactions, right? And that's what Everywhere does. We offer a very convenient way, but also a very secure way that utilizes your device information and your car information, and ultimately replaces that plastic option, right? That swipe option. So the car brands have really adopted it. Um, They really see this being something that can be highly used into the future, and that's why they're making the investments in companies like everywhere to help bring that to market.
0: You know, let's, let's dig in a bit more on the technology integration side. Um, you know, Larry, I'm, I'm really interested in maybe some specific examples or, or use cases when we're talking about software. You know, we touched on the idea of the, the hair salon or whatever, but I would imagine that usually that's taking place through like a point of sale integration or ISV integration. Can you give us some examples or some use cases of maybe how some technology companies, uh, you know, are, are leveraging what you're doing?
3: Yeah, so a good use case would be like Clover, for instance. We actually added a new button on Clover. It's a new key. It's a payment key right next to credit card that says pay by tax, right? And you basically push that button and now it basically asks you for a phone number versus a credit card. Mm. Basically enter the phone number and it triggers that secure payment link, right? To go out to that user. And for the first time, if they're not in the network, it will ask them for their credit card information. And what's great about this, it gives that, POS, that point of sale system, now the ability to accept a remote payment, right? They don't have to ask for credit cards over the phone anymore. And you think about it, I mean, we're in 2021 and we're still giving out credit card phone numbers over the phone just for somebody to be writing it down on the back of a napkin, right? And now you don't have to do that. You don't have to ask somebody for their credit card. You ask for your phone number, right? Send that, right? And you allow that user to you know, complete the transaction on their own device with their own information, including signing it, right? They can sign their own device,
0: right? Um, right.
3: right, so um, it's great to see this payment method really starting to take form.
0: So what, what about on the other side of this? Like, I'm, I'm curious, you know, as somebody that would sell merchants, you know, are there a lot of merchants that use this as kind of a standalone or a separate thing where it's not integrated with a point of sale or, or something along those lines, you know, maybe smaller merchants, maybe I'm thinking of like a auto repair shop, you know, that is frustrated with trying to collect the, the second half of the deposit or whatever on their transmission job or something. You know, how does that work? Is there like a, a gateway or a dashboard or something? Or how, how would that work as a standalone?
3: Yeah, the very first thing you do is go to everywhere.com, that's spelled like software, and you sign up, right? You claim your business, like that auto body example that you just said, that you just mentioned. Right. And really, within minutes, you get a merchant account that you can begin to set sc- transactions on. So, really, out of the box, within minutes, you can have your own dedicated platform, like you said, with a dashboard. You know, I like to think of it as like if Stripe and Twilio had a baby, right? You combine those combinations <laughs> of communication and payments. You give you your own custom dashboard, it can manage your conversations like you would on Twilio, and better yet, now you can also manage your payment transactions like you would if you were using Stripe. It's that type of convenience and platform that we offer right out of the box, and it really just takes minutes to get set up.
0: So I, I think at this point, you know, I, I I generally have a pretty good feel of like what our audience is thinking as they're listening to an episode. I know what all of them are thinking right now. And that is, are you processor agnostic, um, or at least to the point of, you know, you mentioned going back to your back book. Well, obviously, I don't want to switch my merchants from thesis or Elevon or first Data, or, you know, whatever. Um, can you talk a little about that? You know if if I've already you know, I'm, I'm trying to board as much business as I can with this processor. how does that work? Is it a separate processing kind of mid with what you're doing or is it integrated? or talk to us about that?
3: Yeah no, it's a great question. So we make it really easy, I like to say you know, again, use the word frictionless because it really is frictionless to get going. In other words, if you're already happy, like you said with, Car Connect or on Pfizer, then all we need is simply your API key. And you plug it on our platform. And now those two systems are connected, right? They're actually can communicate to one another and you can process transactions and they're gonna show up on the same statement that you get already. And we really have made it that easy. And you know, so for ISOs out there, this is a hundred percent new margin to their bottom line, right? This is added value. They can now charge whether it's an extra 25 bucks or 50 bucks a month get access to this payment method in this platform and keep their existing mid right because it's always like you said a pain in the butt if right. you have to set up a new one this really makes it easy um a little bit maybe even too easy uh, to literally just plug in an api key you know from your acquirer and your, those two systems are now communicating and we've integrated to really all the major ones that are out there today and always happy to do another one if a new one comes our way
0: Yeah, sure. That's cool. So now you mentioned, so they they would give the API key, but then I'm assuming there would be some additional step to set up that particular merchant. Like, are would they be? Are they actually keeping the same mid in that case for that merchant, or are they setting up a new mid? Like, how does that? Just out of curiosity, I'm getting a little technical, but I just (laughs) curious.
3: Yeah, yeah, no problem. You know, I would say that more than seventy five percent can keep their own mid that accept card not present transactions today. Okay. Now, if this is a, you know, strictly a mid that's used to get, you know, terminal face to face transactions, then yes, you know, they'll have to, you know, in cases, set up a new one, um, right. again, add in a new one versus basically, you know, replacing one, you know, so, right, right. right? And so they're, they're so, not losing a
0: mid, of course, they're, no, they're adding another bid.
3: They're adding another mid, in this case, to support a card not present transaction. Now, what's great about some of the changes that we're seeing that are going to happen in um, early 2022 is and it's again platforms like everywhere that's leading the charge. Is this being treated like a card present transaction? So mm-hmm. actually, a reduction in interchange.
0: Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's it's more secure, like you mentioned exactly. earlier, than even a normal card present transaction. So why wouldn't you get the lower rate? You know. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I like that. um Okay, so so last question I have is, let's talk about the economic model a little bit. Um, Clearly, I think the ISOs and agents will understand the benefits uh, that are kind of more intangible of, you know, they're they're increasing volume, you know, payment processing volume, they're increasing retention, they're going to get residuals on the payments that are processed because it's going through their platform. So I get all that. Um, Are there additional economic incentives of offering everywhere as a reseller? Or is it really more about that kind of, you know, the fact that they're just adding more volume to their existing mids?
3: Yeah, I mean, don't be me wrong. It's always great when you're able to ma- add more volume to your existing mids. But being able to basically charge an extra twenty-five dollars or fifty bucks a month for our platform yeah. that might have cost you only fifteen dollars as part of our you know licensing agreement for our system is huge. Sure. Right? It's huge for these ISOs to continuously get this reoccurring check each month. You know, for not for transactional revenue that they're already getting on the processing volume, but for software as a service. And I think that goes a long way. I think that investors and when you're selling your book of business, software as a service has a tremendous amount of value in your product offering. And so if you can yep. show that as an ISO, I think that's that's huge upside for you. And um, we're always welcome to incentivize our ISOs as well that want to start with us and basically see. Um, so in other words, for every count that you board, we'll send you an extra 100 bucks. You know, so we have different incentive plans you know, that offer our ISOs. But ultimately, it's a win-win scenario.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I love it. That sounds great. I know, I know there's a lot of ISOs even that would have, you know, a uh, thousand Clover, 2000 Clover merchants where it's like, they could literally enable this button basically. And, you know, obviously there'd be some behind the scenes work, but, you know, working on that and then adding that, you know, $50 a month onto the bill. And, you know, so yeah, it's a great revenue opportunity. Sounds awesome. Um, I know a lot of people will want to learn more about it. Um, Can you give us a little more insight on what the process is like to become a reseller and tell our audience, where do they go to learn more about doing that?
3: Yeah, so we've been trying to get really easy, right? Easy in the sense that you can just go to everywhere.com. That's E-V-E-R-Y-W-A-R-E.com. You'll notice a little text us tab on the bottom right-hand corner. You can literally just text us in podcast, that keyword podcast, and our basically system will respond to you and start the process to onboard you as a reseller in our system. You can also just text us at 561-404-1462. And you can literally just text us at that number to go ahead and that'll help initiate the reseller program and you can kind of get started. But really just access us through everywhere.com um, and that Texas button on your bottom tab right will help really you to get you know, enrolled in our program and you'll see how easy it is to get started with us. I mean, we are probably one of the easier companies like to think that we're one of the easiest companies to work with.
0: Well, I can't say I'm surprised that the method of reaching out to you is uh, via text message. So. I know,
1: right? That's, that's exactly what I was thinking.
0: <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I well, mean, it would
1: have been a little bit dicey if you said email us.
0: Right, right. Yeah, exactly. So,
3: right, Or God been I said call
0: us. Right, well, right. So yes. right. Uh, Larry, uh, great information. Uh, I'm really glad we we're able to have this conversation. I think it's going to be good for our audience to just kind of understand this world a little bit and hopefully reach out and learn more about this opportunity. So thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, thank great. you so much, James. And thank you so much, Patty.
0: So, Patty, um, of course, the official sponsor of our podcast, NMI.com, uh, we just put out an ebook with them. It was actually our the first edition of the Merchant Sales Insight, which is a new kind of industry publication that CC Sales Pro has been spearheading and you've been helping with. Um yeah. very excited about it. So we have a new link we've added. So um if you go to dot slash NMI ebook. So it's NMI ebook. Um that will take you. Yeah, NMI ebook, all lowercase, all one word. That will take you to the ebook download page. Um, and again, it's called Connecting the Dots and Payments. Uh, worked on it with NMI, and it's so interesting talking about really omni-channel, but it's a very practical instructional yeah. guide to it. So I'd really encourage people to go check that out.
1: Yeah, I, I found it very instructional. Um, you know, it was sort of like omni-channel, um, sort of one of those terms that's out there, and. Right. It does, it's kind of fuzzy sometimes, yes. right? Yes. And I think you put a lot of clarity into this. So please uh, go to ccsalespro.com slash
0: N-M-I-E-B-O-O-K. Awesome. Hey, everybody. Let's jump back into the episode.
2: This is Questions from the Field brought to you by ccsalespro.com the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you're an individual merchant sales professional, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training to get a free 14 day trial of our all access pass. If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now here is questions from the field with James Shepard.
0: So, Patty, uh, today in questions from the field, I want to, in some ways, reverse an earlier position that I took very publicly. Um, and that wow. was, yeah, I, I was I was not an Apple Pay fan, you know? And mm-hmm. when I say that, it's not like I didn't like Apple Pay at all. I, I use it, but I just didn't see the rationale. It was like, okay, so who cares? I'm going to pull my wallet out and get my card out, or I'm going to pull my phone out and hit the Apple Pay. Like
1: That's kind of how I felt about yeah. it, exactly, yeah.
0: Well, then something changed. So in the last couple of months, I have had several experiences where I was shopping online. I alluded to this in the interview a little bit ago, but I've been shopping online. And my, my first purchase was a company called Municipal. It's a, a clothing company. And I saw a commercial about it or whatever. And I wanted to buy some T-shirts, some workout T-shirts. So I went, go in there, I'm a guest, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't have an account or whatever. And I picked the t-shirts out that I wanted and it was like 80 bucks or something, you know, and I went to the checkout page and it was really unusual. It didn't make me sign in or create an account or anything. It just had a button that said, do you want to like create an account or do you just want to pay with Apple pay? And I thought, well, that's interesting. So I tapped on, I tapped on it. And when I tapped on that, and this I'm on a website right now, okay. I tapped on pay with uh-huh. Apple Pay and my phone, the um Apple Pay uh, dialog pops up on my phone, and it has I had already entered really? my stuff in there and it had my shipping information, my you know, it has my address, right? And my card. And I clicked yet pay and it pre-populates and pays it with the shipping and everything, right? Then it says the next screen says like, you're all set, you know, thank you. And then it says, do you want to create, you know, would you like to create an account with your Apple account? You know, and I just clicked yes. And Apple already has simple. my email. And so it right. was like, wow, like in two clicks, I entered my shipping information. I entered all my card data. You know, I validated the transaction with face ID. I mean, it was very secure because it was, you don't, know, if you don't know even about Apple pay it, um, If you're doing an online Apple Pay transaction, it asks you to double click on the side um, and then it does your wow. face ID to process. So, I mean, talk about it's like triple authentication. Um, and then I created an account and then I was getting emails from municipal of, hey, your packages are on the way because I created the account. And right. it, it was so shocking in, in my mind. I was like, that was like unbelievably simple compared to what I normally have to go through the first time I buy from one of these online retailers.
1: So let me just clarify. So you're saying you were online using your PC or laptop? No, my phone. My phone. You were online using your phone. Right. Shopping. Yes. And then that just so when you push that hit that pay with Apple, then it just did an automatic dialogue with
0: it with Apple. Yeah. Like right on my screen, like right overlaid on top of the website, it pulled That's, up the, yeah, the exactly. Apple pay dialogue okay. that comes up and then okay. it said, and then a little arrow over to the thing. I said, double click here, which I'm used to that, you know, and right, you sure. double click. And then it does your face ID and then it just kind of goes ding and it goes away. And it's, wow. and it says, thank you. And it's like, it has my shipping address, my, my cardholder information and all of that. um, And I loved it. And, and, you know, it didn't take away. It's not like that's competing with our industry. I mean, I used my regular Capital One right. credit card. I mean, it's not like I, right. used, you know, um, so I was like, but how convenient. Oh, it was amazing. And it really is interesting because, you know, there is so much friction in shopping online that there's a reason a lot of people shop through Amazon and, and Walmart because. Mm-hmm. You create an account. Anybody that's ever shopped on Amazon on your phone, you've seen the little slide, buy now, right? You just slide right. it across the screen and it magically appears at your door the next two days, right? Um, So to me, that experience has been missing. And one of the main reasons I haven't shopped at, on, at smaller independent online retailers, I usually end up going through Amazon or something. And so I really think Apple Pay is very powerful in that way. And I think as we see technologies like the text to pay um, and uh, or pay by text, I should say, as Larry corrected there. But um, pay by text, and as we see other things like this, pay by email, pay, you know, whatever, you know, if they are going to start leveraging Apple Pay like that, Apple yeah. Pay and and Google Wallet and others, I I I'm not not an Android person, so I haven't experienced it. But if it's anything like Apple Pay, I think right. that is going to take off like a rocket ship because. As more and more payments, as as Larry just mentioned in the interview, as we get away from plastic and it gets to more of completing the transaction on your phone one way or another, um, Mm -hmm. I think the idea of just having your payment information and your shipping information stored on your phone securely and being able to get all of that data, you know, into an online hosted payments page very quickly. Um, Online hosted payment pages have really been kind of a pain in the neck, in my opinion. I mean, I get it. It's nice to have, but. You still got to key everything in. You're on your phone. It's like, it's stupid. It's you're very frustrating. You get you get a, it's like, oh, look at this. I got a t- I got a, a link. All I have to do is click this link to pay. Well, no, you got to click this link on you got you got a text message that's going to take you to a mobile payments page. And then you're like, oh my word, I got to key mm-hmm. everything in here, which is really annoying. Whereas with this now, it's like, no, you don't. You just click pay with Apple Pay and then you're done. Um, so anyway, early on, I was, you know, like, what's the deal with this Apple Pay? Why would people use this? Um, And I've used it extensively and I still agree with my original assessment that when you're in the store and you're going to pay face-to-face, I mean, I don't, I mean, I've gotten used to it now, so I use it a lot, but I don't really care. It's not like it's that convenient to me, but it's more about now experiencing the online shopping experience. Um, I think you should be thinking about, you know, really, if you have a merchant that's card not present, think about how could they be leveraging Apple pay to improve their customer experience because, I have since the example I gave, Patty. I've gone back to municipal three times to buy more clothes. Sure, and I got to be honest. A big part of it is that was super easy to do, and you know, and it was well organized, and it just worked. And it was like, wow, that kind of felt like I was shopping on Amazon. That was pretty cool. And this also goes to those the
1: stats that I mentioned in my report about digital wallets for online payments growing so much, growing by like that. If things like Apple Pay and Google Pay start. Uh, popping up more and more in these, in these uh, stores, yeah, it's a no
0: brainer. Yeah. And it's like, I, I, more and more, I was kind of like, why is there this growth? I mean, it's like, okay, I get it. Everybody just wants to use their phone to be cool, but you know, that experience. And, and then, and then what's interesting is since then I've shopped on several, you know, th- well, just the other day, my wife, Christina, she was on uh shopping on on um, what was that? Oh, there was some new clothing store. She liked that was at, uh, at our uh, local shopping center. And so she wanted to buy some additional things and she went on their website on her phone and she was going to the the checkout and I said, hey, if it says Apple Pay, click on that. You're going to love that. And sure enough, she clicked on it. She never used it. So she had to put some information in there for Apple Pay, but it was like, you know, it's like, oh, wow. I mean, it, it just, it's so shocking. It's so simple compared to what I had experienced in the past that I really think it's yeah. poised for growth if they continue that.
1: Yeah, obviously they've had really bought this out. Good stuff, James. Thanks. Thanks, buddy.
2: This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. For nearly 40 years, The Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading The Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at www.greensheet.com. Hello, everybody.
1: Today, I want to share a bunch of data with you. Let's just call it You know, I I think I said this once before. I used to call these isometrics, you know, metrics for isos. Um, And uh, Pfizer just did a consumer, published some data based on a consumer survey, as well as some internal data spanning Q1 2020 to Q2 2021. So here are a couple of things that I thought stood out. Buy online, pick up in store. Um, in the mo- you know in the latest month, you know ask, they ask consumers how how you know have you used bopis as they call it um uh, in the last month? sixty percent had used it in a restaurant. no surprise there, I don't right. think Uh, forty eight percent at a general retailer forty four percent at a grocer, which is wow. interesting. I would have thought the grocer would have been ahead of the general
0: retailer. Um well I wonder know, though I don't know do, about you I wonder if though Patty in that stat that 44% does that include buy it and then it's delivered? You know no, what I mean? this is
1: only buy it and pick it
0: up. And see I think that's why there it's not as, as far as right yeah, because like I, I think most people right. like like to me the whole reason that you do that for grocery is, and I've, I've done it both ways. I've gone and picked up the groceries that, you know, where we'll get them. But once, once we had delivery available, it's like, why would I not do that? Why would I drive to the store? I mean, I know there's a little bit of a cost savings, but when you're buying, usually most people, their grocery orders a pretty big order each week. Um, oh yeah. It's a nominal expense to get it delivered. So I think, I think you're going to see that 44% even decline as the service area and service improves for, you know, grocery delivery.
1: That's a really good point. Yes, it is. So um, the next thing I wanted to talk about was omni-channel spending, you know, which is like a mix right. of online and in-store business models. Um, here's uh, some year-over-year growth in key verticals. Okay, so it went up 77% in restaurants. Again, not a big surprise. People go online, order right. what they want, either go pick it up or it gets delivered. 71% for groceries. Um, Again, that could be delivery as well as
0: right. picking up
1: in the store. Hmm. So I think that takes into account what you were talking about. Yeah, James. I think so. And, and 39% for retail. Uh, contactless in-store payments. This number just blew my mind. Even though we've talked a lot about contactless has taken off and everything. Uh, contactless in-store grew 450% year over year. And wow. now and now encompasses 5% of in-store payments compared to just 1% a year ago. Mm.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Good night. That's
1: really amazing. Yeah. Um digital wallet spend online grew 394% year over year. Hmm. Um these these now account for 4% of all online payments compared to 1% pre-pandemic. Again, I mean, 394% is a lot in terms of growth, but when you only had 1%, you know, it's only yeah. gonna grow so right. much. Right. Um, here's another one that surprised me. Online debit spending um, grew 50% year over year, compared to just 5% growth in online credit spending. Really? Wow, yeah. that is people are using their debit cards obviously more and more huh. which kind of goes to what we spoke about last week with regards to right. the whole debit routing, debit routing thing, becomes you know, even more important becomes even more important um, another one um, 76% of consumers are aware of QR codes for payments but interestingly enough only about a quarter have used it and I have to admit I'm probably one of you know part of i I've used code, you know, QR codes to get the menus and everything, but I've never kind of taken that last step. And I think, you know, people are still a little bit leery of that until it becomes more robust and more common. I think it has to be more common. Well, and you know, I'll tell
0: you the other thing that's interesting Um, about it is, Patty, I feel like generally speaking, the technology solutions that enable QR code payments. Hasn't been very smooth. Uh, you know, a great, example, a great example of a good one is Dunkin' Donuts. Okay. This is the most common one that we use, my wife, Christine, and I. So we have the Dunkin' Donuts app, you know, on our phone. Uh huh. And all we do is, it's interesting because it's actually the other way around. So on the app, you know, when you open the app right in the middle, like as soon as you open it is your QR code right in the middle. Well, we have a card uh-huh. attached to our profile in the app. Um, and we have all of our rewards and, you know, free coffee and get your points, whatever. So when we pull up the drive-thru, we just hit the app and then they have a little QR code scanner and we just hold it up and we, you know, scan the code. And it, what it does is it takes any coupons or special offers and applies them to the sale. And then it takes the remaining Uh off from the card we have on file. Um, and so that's a seamless experience where I think you have problems is people are like in the store wanting to pay and they are exposed to scan a QR code. Well that sounds good except like then what? Well now they go to a hosted payment's right. page where they have to enter all their information they would much rather just swipe the card they're standing there. Right. So I think exactly. I think we I think we're yeah. going to see more solutions. Well, I think we're going to see a lot more text to pay type solutions like what we're just talking about. Um Correct. right but then I think we're also going to see a lot more of um QR code integrations with Apple Pay, which I'm going to talk about in a minute with my questions in the field. And I think we're going to see a lot more of the reverse mm-hmm. QR code where it's your QR code, not you're not scanning a QR code, the the business yeah. is scanning your QR code and then they know who you are.
1: Yeah, I think that that's far more intuitive for the consumer as well, you yeah. know? Um, because again, I've had that same experience with you. It's like, why do I want to take this and I'm this out here, just take my card, you know? Um, so one more set of data points that I wanted to share today is about buy now, pay later. We've talked a lot about this in the last several months. And, you know, when I first started looking at buy now, pay later, and maybe you had the same feeling, it's like, oh, this is for people who don't quite have the money, you know, that, that you know, they maybe they right. have poor credit ratings or something sure. like that. Right. This data shows that it's not necessarily the case. Um, one in three high-income consumers have used buy now, pay later. Wow. And one in four of what they call middle income consumers have used it. yeah, um And I think it's all about the sort of the uh, simplicity and the cash management of it., yeah. I mean, I've used it. I've used it not because I can't pay for it, but it's like, oh, well, you know, if I do this now and I don't have to pay for it for a few weeks. That right. gives me a chance to go home and you
0: know, yeah. shuffle my money around and, and, right. and pay it. Right. right. I mean, right. Well, and for me. Yeah and, convenient. For, yeah. and for me, I've ended up, I've used it once because of trying to make a purchase that was so large that my card, mm-hmm. I didn't have the, um, the, limit. Know, the uh, per transaction limit. And it's right. it's like well, which is more of a pain here, you know what I mean? Do I want to deal with this and call the card company? And it just so happened that it was later in the evening, and it was it was my bank card, and I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, fine, I'll just do that. You know, so I did the, you know, so I think there's a convenience factor there for sure. Yeah. Good stuff, Patty. Thanks.
2: Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive